Racers and Rental Cars Podcast with your host, Top Fuel Cam, Cameron Bray, and his co-host, Mr. Top Sportsman, Don O'Neill. What's up, West Coast Cam? Hi, Don. Oh, man. Can you can you tell that I'm like over here needing someone to give me a cattle prod or something as far as my energy level for the evening? Yeah, that's when I talked to you on my way home. You sounded like your dog got run over. It's Wednesday, well, man. That means it's almost race day. Oh, wait, that's right. You live in like the snow and crap, so that's hey, not happening. No, You're not going to Las Vegas. No, no jokes for the Midwest because it truly did snow over in parts of Illinois today, uh, which is not Sorry about good. your luck, bro. Yeah, but weren't you just complaining about four dollar ninety five cent gas for for eighty seven? Didn't you just complain yeah. to me about that? And one hundred ninety dollars a month to store a trailer in a dirt lot. Yeah, but you want the beach every yeah, every, and you have to and you have to pay three months. Is it like at, any, at a time? Like you don't have any uh, like risks of the the forest fires or anything like that, right? No, not that I'm making a joke about that, but I mean, that's like some serious stuff going on in California. You know, it's, you know, it's serious when the K&N accounts department sends you an email and tells you that most of your order for the week is going to be delayed because of the forest fires. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. There's a, there's a ton of them actually. Um, I, I, as I glance up here on, on the TV, it says extreme red flag warning and all it is is just flames and people running around on the news. So yeah. yeah, it's it's really sad. I I hate this time of year, and it's extremely windy. And there was like uh, trucks and trailers tipping over on the 15 all day today. It was all over. So hopefully that dies down before I head to Vegas tomorrow night. No, oh, and everybody will be dealing with that coming back from Vegas to Pomona. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, we're not gonna we're not gonna harp around about this nonsense too much since you're all chipped up, ready to go because you're going to Vegas for two two weeks in a row, and I'm gonna sit over here on my thumb, watch NASCAR racing, Vegas racing. We're gonna talk a little NASCAR with uh with we, who we have coming up on the show too because I'm not gonna let that slide from his uh, adventure from last weekend. But uh, man, I dude. What 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 can you do when you're a racer and you're trying to get your name out there? You're just doing anything and everything. You're basically becoming your own, uh, let's just call it pimp for yourself to try to pimp yourself out to get as much attention. I mean, I'm not. Do tell. Start do, a vlog that no one watches. Start a. Hey, I mean, you know, we're doing vlogs. We, we, okay. I, I mean, seriously, like, what are, what do you have to do, right? What or I mean, what can you do? What should you do? And then again, of course, there's always the you shouldn't grab a driver by the waist and body slam him to the ground on on pit road uh but that i I mean mean, i'm thinking about it dude i'm totally thinking that if you want to get some serious tv coverage you get your one and only qualifier that you probably do in vegas get out of the car run over and punch whoever it is that's that's (laughs) right just just, just standing there just whoever is the poor soul that ended up being in the performance uh order to run beside you at vegas just run over like get down like i'm acting like i know what i'm talking about with football and i like get down i'm like like i'm in like a football stance and just and my luck i'm so little that i'd it'd probably be like one of the bigger dudes be like terry mcmillan and i'll just i just go <laughs> and Fall I'd be right back. falls over dude it's <laughs> halloween weekend in vegas you can totally pull it off say like you're gonna be a superhero get a cape or something just for him you know, be the incredible yeah you want to be the incredible right or or you can go no with, capes you can be your normal you were in you That's know that. you were in jack frost so i mean i don't think they have a pudge outfit but you know it's possible Dude, I, could probably, I could probably figure that out. I'm telling you, we would get some TV coverage on FS. I'm telling you, if you get out of your car, throw your hands in the air like your Rocky Balboa and run over and just jump on somebody's back. I, I mean, just like what, a koala. Uh, yeah, dude, kangaroo, jump around, hop in somebody's pouch or something. Say you're swapping cars. Go over and jump in their car. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, dude. Ah, anyway. Hey, let 
let's get somebody on here that knows a little something about something when it comes to uh, doing all this behind the scenes and on the big screen and they write really good so they're they're educated um and and we can to- see i crack on your wife i call her a canuck because she's from canada you're a west coast because you live in california and see where i'm from the way i grew up you're still this- getting on you're still over there getting on I-58. What? No. No, what do they say? Yeah, you're over there getting on the 405. We just call it I-40, big guy. You're just... Oh, <laughs> I'll be on, on I-15 tomorrow. Well, I, the- <laughs> how about we get on the phone and call up somebody? Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure it's not the first time he's ever been referred to as being a Yankee, uh, being that he is from so far up north the next next closest place to him is canada uh but uh let's get our buddy brian don't hate on me loans from nhr don't don't hate on him don't hate on him you can't you cannot hate on him not at all uh brian are you there my friend I'm I'm here, man, and I can tell you that uh, via social media, it is possible to hate on me. I can tell you that because <laughs> I get hated on. It it happens. It uh, it happens. Hate, it was some lady, some lady got on my case like a week or so ago. I was flying home from uh, actually probably came home from Dallas, and I had a layover in LaGuardia, and uh, lo and behold, I had some drinks on the plane, and so. Uh, <laughs> I get You're the drag racing guy. You drink? Yeah, it's a it's a whole thing I got going on. I'm trying out. Never done it before, but I started last week and it's really good. But, on the tarmac, uh, trying to get out of out of Dallas. <laughs> so this lady's chewing on me on Facebook or whatever. She starts sending me all these messages, so I start replying to her uh, like a jerk. I was kind of like mocking her messages to me, and uh, she was just telling me how bad it was at my job and everything and the whole works. So anyway, but by the end of it, we we became friends. So it was like a beautiful story because by the end of it. Um, she, she said that she didn't like when I predicted how the races would end. And I told her that, well, we call them live as they happen. So I don't actually, even on the tape shows, I, we don't redo stuff. We call it, you know, as it's happening. And, uh, so then we became friends and everything's nice. And she wants to come meet me at Indy next year where she'll probably shoot me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hey, I think that, yeah, Excuse I, me. you, you Lones, know, Brian? <laughs> yeah, <you're> Brian, yeah. <laughs> remember, remember me, I'm Marsha. Marsha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was asking. one of those. It, it, the funny thing was, it was a, um, it was a Facebook account that a guy and his wife like shared. It was one of those weird, right. like, like Bill and Donna, whatever Facebook account. So the whole thing was just off the rails to start with. Yeah. Totally weird. But anyway, yeah. How you doing guys? <laughs> well, dude. Marvelous now. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's a heck of a way to start it off right there. Well, we appreciate you, uh, taking time out of your late evening. Uh, yeah, sure, man. to uh, spin with us, but uh, Brian, just we have a diverse crowd, but most people think that everybody that listens to our show is our drag racers, but we've got a pretty diverse crowd. How about you tell our listeners a little bit about Brian Loans? Give us the 30 second elevator pitch, sure. Uh, you know, grew up in Massachusetts, still live in Massachusetts. Uh, I have been a you know, race car announcer guy since I was in college, so 20 plus years now. Started. Really, the first events I ever did were uh, SECA road races, and then I always drag racing is where my heart and soul's always been. My dad was a racer and stuff, and uh, I raced when I was bracket raced for a few years with him. Um, but anyway, kind of migrated into drag racing. Worked at Lebanon Valley Dragway. Um, spent most of my time at New England Dragway because it was closer to home. And then uh, I've worked for IHRA, NMRA, NMCA, uh, Duck, NHRA. So it, you know, I've been around and, and really kind of, uh, seen a lot of different stuff. So, um, Dave Despain said it the best. He said he loved things with tires. So, uh, I qualify as a guy that loves stuff with tires. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I think, what is it? Your Instagram, you say you're a nomadic, what is a nomad, nomadic auto lover? What, yeah, maybe what? something like that. That sounds weird. Besides, it sounds that sounds oddly sexual, but I think it's more. Uh, <laughs> actually, I should probably look at it now because people are going to put me on like some government list if I if I have that on there. Uh, <laughs> let's just verify exactly what this says. No, it says oh, uh, uh, announcing. It says announcing no motorsport announcing nomad. How about that? That's what it. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean the guy's got his own TV show, man. Oh, I know. You still have that. Yeah, put up or shut up is on. It's on a brief hiatus, but uh, we got another thing we're working on now that's going to be coming out hopefully the, like 
in the springtime, which should be cool. Well, when you're ready to produce a show about racers and rental cars, <laughs> let us be involved in that somehow. You're our guys. We, we yeah. tried to use that title, but we found you guys owned it, so we had to change it. <laughs> <the response. laughs> hey, if you call us up, you have no idea. We might actually sell it to you. <laughs> it's getting tough. I need some to- gas money. It's four forty-five a gallon. I need to get to Vegas. It's <laughs> gonna say it's getting tough to keep the lights on around here. <laughs> but no, generally speaking, I'm a guy that loves cars and and loves racing, and um, specifically, I you know, drag racing is my my biggest kind of first love and where I spend the majority of my time. So. Um, you know, by the announcer for any on Fox, as you guys know, I don't know if the audience knows that, but me and Tony Petragon, the two guys in the booth and, um, it's, it's been cool. It's, I've worked for NHRA since 2013. I worked for, with IHRA from like the um, earliest 2000s until about 2010. And, um, never thought I'd work for NHRA because I never was at an NHRA track. New England Dragway was always an IHRA track. I never had an opportunity to really do anything with NHRA. When they switched sanctions over is when a lot of stuff started to kind of fall into place for me to get in with NHRA, and then it's been, you know, one thing after the next from there. So it's been good. Yeah, you you kind of ran the gamut on all that stuff, which is really cool. And I wait, I'm and I'm so happy to see, and you know, this is not just me sucking up or anything, but I'm so happy to see that not only are you like when you do all this stuff, like you're educated about the sport, like you, you have like all of the, the things that you need in order to be like a good announcer, producer, show host, things like that. Like you, you do the research and you, and you figure it out. Plus you're a fan of the sport too. So I think that's, I think that's really cool. And you kind of tell it how it is, you know? Yeah. I appreciate that. I think for me, it's like the one, the greatest kind of fear. And this was, I worked with a guy when I was a kid at New England Dragway that, that taught me about, preparing and just even when i first got going like i would you know this guy would show up with some books you have like these spotter books with him where we like a nostalgia day if if he couldn't if he didn't know like what the difference between a 47 and 48 hudson was he'd be able to flip these books open to be able to tell and i was like super impressed by that and it made an impression on me and so then like going forward it became the most important thing to be prepared and and it's you know to me um it's the one thing that i think a lot of the young guys need to to pay better attention to or to, to pay most attention to is like prepare because you can, you guys know like racers can smell a fraud from a mile away. Like you guys can smell someone that's just trying to stroke their way through from a mile away. And that is my greatest fear in life is to be considered that person. <laughs> <laughs> well, and well, that, you're far from that. So <laughs> thank you. Yes, most definitely. And that's the one. And I think Brian, I think we've had that conversation off air. I've mentioned to you like for sportsman racers, we we look for somebody to be holding on to the mic to be able to talk about us to tell our story sure. or what the backstory is or whether it's about the car or our families or our sponsors whatever the case is other than just reading what's on the CompuLink screen that's, See, that's yeah. what's cool about Brian he's he's kind of he's been around i mean i i know Brian from other things than his announcing so it's like i i know him more on a personal level than a lot of others but he he brings that element into, into the shows, which, which is really cool. Yeah. And to me, that's the, you know, at the end of the day, that that's, it's a big discussion we always have amongst all of us when we're sitting around, like, what's the most important thing is the most important thing, you know, a funny car that goes 340 miles an hour is the most important thing. A fan that knows who the driver is or what the driver likes or what the driver dislikes, you know, and to me, it always defaults back to that human side of things. And, and, not that the performance is obviously important and we need to right. have all that stuff, but at the end of the day, like you're saying, whether you're a sportsman racer that, you know, the guy that owns a local deli showed up to watch that weekend and he hears his name coming over the PA and you've made some sort of great impression on that guy, or you're a professional racer that, you know, is trying to get a sponsorship done, is trying to make an impression on somebody, is trying to gain a fan base, you know, that's that's what keeps people showing up, to, in my opinion. Absolutely. Oh, that, and he kind of does that on his own podcast. Is gonna, you, know, you forgot about that. You still doing that? I am. I didn't make one this week. I um, we'll talk about this, I guess, in a while. But I was away last week, and then um, I got sick as a dog. I didn't have a voice until yesterday. I had to go on these antibiotics. And it was it was bad. So I basically only had today to get my junk together for Vegas. So I did not make one this week. Okay, but the yeah. NHRA Insider podcast you can go listen to it where fine podcasts are sold. Yes, <laughs> where fine podcasts are sold. All right, it's I'm a good gonna, one. He actually had me on the show one time. He he does a great job. I'm gonna He'll have be to, back. 
I was lucky to be on it. It was cool. You were, man. It's <laughs> like one of the first guys, man. Cool. Yeah, you didn't qualify for that whole NHRA promotion thing, but you did make it on the podcast. Right. <laughs> oh, ouch. Uh, sorry. Get you sorry. on the distribution list. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. we go. There we, we go. Just, just maybe put my email in, like, yeah. the optional, like, hey, I know, I know all you guys hate doing this shit, but is there any way that, you know, somebody, anyone can, like, go to the dumpster and... Get somebody a pizza pizza out. They might have missed like if they might have missed like an F or an R in your last name. Maybe that's the, maybe <laughs> yeah. your e- emails misspelled. That could be the problem. That that's yeah. it. That it's is still totally, undeliverable. Yeah, yeah. Blind carbon copy his tail. Brian, let's let's keep rolling with you there. Sure. Where, where are you going? Where is Brian Loans going? Because I mean, if most people, if if our listeners go out and Google you, one of the thir- first things that comes up on the main screen. Is you're the announcer for Hot Rod Drag Week? Sure. You know that's that's a that's a title that you've been given. Obviously, you you you've already said all the other things that you're doing right now, primarily NHRA uh, yep. on Fox. But where's Brian Loans going? You know, I, I don't know. I, I think uh, I don't have. Everybody's got aspirations, stuff you want to do. But like when I look at where I'm at now, I, this is like the first step in this great new adventure. I hope to be going on for a long time, and so the first year of doing this was and continues to be a big learning experience. And it's like people are like, Oh, how is it any different than calling an event? And it turns out it's, it's hugely different because you know, when you're calling an event and you're just going over the PA, you know, you're talking and things are happening. It's kind of like just a free form type of, you know, you're a painting, right? You're just kind of, oh, I'm going to paint this over here and paint this over here. And you make this picture and you have all this time to do it. But when you take a five hour race and turn it into a three hour show on Sunday, all of a sudden you don't have that anymore. So to be able to figure out, for me anyway, when they say, okay, like on this next pair of funny cars or this next pair of top fuelers, we're going to go 15 seconds to launch. Okay. And then you go, okay, so shit, I got 15 seconds. Like other than blurting out these guys' names, what can I, what can I zip in there in 15 seconds that, you know, either makes some sense, makes somebody think, makes somebody lean forward in their chair. Um, so it's been a lot of that and it's been cool. It's been a great experience to learn that. And, um, I got a long way to go. And, and that's, what's exciting to me. It's like, I've not left one race this year been, and gone. Like I got all that one, you know, like I didn't, I've, I've had good weekends. And I've had, yeah, exactly. Like I've had good weekends. I've had weekends where I know that I've left a bunch on the table and I got stuff to fix. Um, the guys at Fox and the NHRA have been great. We watch a lot of tape together. We go over a lot of stuff and we review just like an athlete would do. You, re- you watch tape and you go, okay, don't do that again or do more of that. You know? So how did you, how did you get the, FS1 job like did you apply or did you get asked or yeah the, the whole set of circumstances was was I'm not gonna say it was strange because I don't know what normal would be in this case right <laughs> I've never had this job or done this before so for me it was kind of weird but so the the, the 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 quick story is like the second year I was doing NHRA it was at Gainesville and this is when the ProMod show was made by Ted Jones of Masters Entertainment he used to run on what was then I guess the Speed Channel right mm-hmm. and so they were like, uh, he needs a top end reporter. You're going to the top end. Just you just do you just help him out down there. Like, okay, so I did that, and it was cool. And then all of a sudden it became okay. Well, anytime they run, just go to the top end on Sundays, and you do the TV. All right, that's cool. Just kind of fell into it. Uh, earned me exactly zero dollars, but at least met those guys and everything, and and it was fun. So then when Fox took everything in house, or when Andy Trey took everything in house. I was like, oh, yeah, you're the ProMod show guy. So I was like, oh, damn. Okay, this is actually pretty badass. Like, I kind of just got into this thing. And so then it was like, all right, well, Bruno's racing this weekend. Uh, why don't we have loans filling for him on the Lucas show? So then I would do stuff on the Lucas show. And I did that kind of stuff, and it was good. And I had fun with Reinhardt, and, and it went well doing that kind of kind of thing. And then a couple times I did some pit reporting on the big show when there was a, a hole that needed to get filled. And then at the time it was Ken Adelson who – um, was in charge of the NHRA TV package. Uh, he approached me first at Seattle last year and asked me if I'd be interested in moving to the TV side full time. Didn't tell me what the job was and nothing, nothing to that degree of, uh, detail. He just asked if I'd want to work in the TV side of NHRA full time. And I said, yeah, I think I would. I mean, I naturally you want to progress doing things and that felt like a step. And so then at Indy, I learned what the job would be. And then 
for the rest of the year. I just sat there and stared at the walls, yeah. not We're telling anybody like, a goddamn yeah. thing. And um, <laughs> and then they made the announcement after the season. I mean, it was like it was a pretty weird couple of months because, as you guys know, you there's no way to you don't none of this stuff ever stays secret, right? Like you, you know, people and. You know, Dave Reef was ultimate professional. After the announcement came out, he called me the next day. We had a conversation. He was super cool. It was awkward. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. It was not like the phone rang, and I know wh- exactly one human being that lives, like, in Nebraska. And <laughs> I know Dave him, you know? <laughs> and uh, he was super pro, and, and he's doing some ARCA stuff and some dirt track stuff, and I feel like he's doing well. And um, Wait, yeah, Same thing. It's just like you're you start driving a car that somebody else used to drive, and you're like, Hi. Oh yeah. <laughs> how's, yeah. How, like, how, how's the kids? Right. Right. It's just a, it's an it was an awkward thing, but Dave was like I said, Dave was a total pro and he was cool. And thankfully, everybody I work with has been spectacular. I mean, it's a great group of people, so it's been it's been good. Yeah. Did you tell him how about them Falcons? <laughs> right. I was just you know I um when I when I talked to him, it was uh you know he he kind of led the conversation and it wasn't like. None of it was angry, you know, which I thought was a big, which was cool. It was big of him to be like that. You know what I mean? Like, and it's a lesson for me to learn in my professional career because obviously it happens to everybody. No matter what job line of work you're in, at some point, you're going to be the guy that's on the other end of that phone call. So to have him as an example in that respect was, um, was good. Oh, anything. God. Well, I guess you can't say it's not always, it's never personal because there's some, there's some fallouts in motorsports that, do have oh, some yeah, personal man. Yeah. sports oh my god yeah. there's been some great nuclear level yeah, meltdowns right. yeah, yeah person never yeah. heard of her <laughs> who fallout never heard of her never yeah. heard of her uh, well so let's let's talk about you being sick over the weekend because you yeah. were you were out over the weekend but you were doing something pretty cool over the weekend as well why don't you tell yeah, us what so you were doing kind of going along this going along the same lines with the guys at fox they um you know had an, an open weekend last weekend, and it happened to be uh, NASCAR Martinsville. And, uh, you know, it's almost shameful to admit, but I had never been to a Monster Cup-level NASCAR race. I've been to a lot of short track, local, you know, three-eighths mile, you know, uh, modified races, or I've seen super modifieds in person, I've seen sprint cars in person, but i never actually gone to a full-pull stock car race before. And um, Fox Sports does the truck series all year long. They do the first half of the main NASCAR series, and then they do the truck series the whole year. So I went down to Martinsville and hung out with the Fox crew, observed them making that, um, making their show. And, and again, another weird thing to say, I've never actually, it was big because I've never actually stood there and watched somebody do the job that I do before in my life. When I, when I did this job, like when I, my first day in Pomona, was my first day of even attempting to do this in any level, right? So to stand back and watch three guys that have done it for 10 years together was really cool. I took notes the whole time. I saw how they interacted with the producer and the director. I saw how they used their stat guy. I learned a lot just by standing there and watching those guys. So it was cool. It was a neat experience. That's awesome. Hell yeah. Well, I saw you got to uh, spend some time with the NBC guys as well. I did. Yeah, no, it was good. I, I went, uh, you know, went, saw, I mean, Dale Jr., all those guys were, everybody was, everybody was super cool. The TV compound is massive. The whole thing over there is just uh, enormous. And so is a Michael Waltrip. That photo, uh, Michael Waltrip is a giant man. He goes, <laughs> he has to go, he's got to go like six, five. And what you need to do, if you go to my, go to my Facebook and you look at this photo, you need to look at Michael Waltrip's pants. All right. No, no. You need to go and look. Yeah, and I'm not going to tell you why, but just go and zoom in on Michael Waltrip's pants. <laughs> not that you wouldn't have anyway, because everybody wants to look at Michael Waltrip's pants. But that's what you got to do. That it will, it will reveal it will reveal a TV secret that we are not even allowed to execute in NHRA. Oh, oh God. Uh, so. <laughs> I can't, hold on, Cam's on it. Well, it's interesting that you talk about watching yourself because, you know, podcast wise, I li- you know, I listen to Dale Junior. Download and awesome. him, him, Fantastic. yeah, him and Mike Davis talk about a lot about how his progression of being in the NBC Sports booth and being worse. sweats. Bam, he has sweatpants on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He has sweatpants. He has a dress shirt, a very nice dress shirt, a very high dollar dress shirt, a very nice silk tie tucked into sweatpants. <laughs> he's wearing a broadcaster's mullet. Like, and he has that too. He's all business on the top. 
Party on the bottom. Yeah. Hey. He, and to, to boot, just to go back on Michael Walter for a second, super cool guy. First thing he asked about was how Ron Caps was doing, how this guy was doing, how that guy was doing. Said he watches our shows, said he pays attention to stuff. Talked to me about Billy Torrance's horrendous winning red uh, green light. I mean, literally knew what he was talking about. So I was pretty impressed with that. Cool. It's like uh, when you when you got to go to the office at eight for a meeting, but then you're at the gym playing racquetball by ten thirty. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Walter, he did a lot of NHRA promotion stuff with his Napa days, a lot from the DEI, from, you know, DEI days. So, but that's interesting that even you were catching, taking notes over on that side. I'm sure it was probably just unreal. Uh, Yeah, it was cool. It's, it's, it's as much different as it was. It was a lot the same. You know, one of the things I was kind of envious of those guys for is the fact that their events start and don't stop, right? You start a race there and well, you may red flag it. It doesn't, it does, you know, our sport, we run around and it stops and you go do something else and you run around and it stops. So it's a different way to work over there where you can kind of weave these stories in, in a very seamless way where we have to be careful of not getting ourselves down a path and then running out of time to finish what we're doing. But uh, ultimately I just really liked watching how they worked with each other. Cause it's, you know, it's stuff that being, you know, again, fairly new to this, it's stuff that I needed to see, you know, and just kind of watch people in action. And the Martinsville track is unbelievable. The place is, you know, opened in 48. It's the oldest track on the NASCAR circuit. So I kind of lucked into that one because it fell in my wheelhouse of being a dork for the history of things. And so, uh, but man, the, the neatest thing I thought was the noise was cool. Like the noise was loud. It was not, you know, not our loud, but it was loud. But the one thing that struck me, my dad, my dad was a woodworker and uh, had a, pal- a business building pallets and boxes. And they had this old ass, like World War II era, humongous saw. Like they used this saw, they cut plywood with it. They cut a lot of stuff with it. But when they would fire this thing up, it made this horrendous, like piercing, screaming noise. And that was what happened to me when I, when I heard these cars, when they were all running at once, I thought, holy shit, it sounds like the stupid saw. And it, <laughs> and it, it actually didn't even sound like, it, I fell so far down the hole, it didn't even sound like cars to me anymore. All I could hear was that dumb saw. But it is, uh, it is, a, it is its own kind of noise, that's for sure. How many hot dogs did you have? Listen, man, those are good. <laughs> and I had, I had more than I should have had each day I was there. But no, I had, I think I had two or three a day. They were really good. You can't beat $2 hot dogs, especially at Martinsville. It, the concessions there blew me away. $6 beers, like, that's brilliant. And they were selling them like they could, they couldn't get them out of the coolers fast enough. They were $2 hot dogs. I think it was four bucks for some, like, ham slider looking things. And then it was six bucks for a beer. I thought, Jesus, these guys are doing it right. And they're, that's a NASCAR owned track. I, you know, I thought yeah, they were, I thought, oh, it must be a privately family owned thing. I looked it up. I said, geez, they're actually doing this like in 2019 and it's great. Dude, normally you got to take a second out on your house to get a beer and a hot dog. I, I bought some chicken strips at, uh, in Dallas because I was freaking starving. I was walking back and I'm like, oh, I need some chicken strips. And, uh, Terry wanted some too. And it was literally 50 well, bucks. I didn't have enough. I didn't have enough cash. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it was $32. Yeah. I literally, I literally had like $28 and I'm like, are you kidding me? I really have to use a debit card or chicken strip for $32. It's insane. And, and it comes both directions. Like the one thing I looked up was where I were. So I just had like a NASCAR kind of hard card pass looking thing. So I didn't actually have a dedicated seat on Sunday. So I was just kind of floating around and sitting in different areas and looking at stuff. So the area that I found I liked the most, I'm sitting, and I went on StubHub as I was sitting there looking to see what the seat would have cost, and it was $175 seat, and it was not next to the racetrack, you know what I mean? So, loving the fact that they got the $6 beers and the, and the $2 hot dogs, but when I look down and see a family of four sitting there, I'm like, see my own family sitting there, it's like, if I'm 800 bucks into this thing already... I goddamn bell better be able to buy a two-dollar hot dog. <laughs> you will watch every lap of this, son, <laughs> and you will. Yeah, like well, it. And the other, you know, the other thing I thought that was cool there was they had the, you know, everybody, everybody was wearing the headsets, right? Everybody rents those headsets, and they can plug them together, and they can talk to each other, and you get a radio scanner. So it's um, I like that. I oh, I, I do think too. That's pretty cool. That like, especially getting trying to get kids and stuff involved, like they can hear yeah. what's going on, and they do that a little bit at the NHRA races, like with the yeah. racing radios failure, but I don't see many people, I don't know if it's maybe because people don't know, but, or they think, oh, well, what, you can, that's a good run, go back. <laughs> uh, uh, 
uh, did you see that girl? Do you think you could get a number for me? <laughs> right. Like, right. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, you will get radio not... chatter, but it's not going to be about the stagger of the car or somebody <laughs> yeah, running into your fence. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah they're not going to. They're not going to hear somebody yell, "Tell him to stay in his motorhome." That's for sure. Oh, how cool is that? I. It was really cool. Great emotion. Feel bad for the kid, but wow. That was. Yeah, I mean that's something. And uh, you know, for those who don't know Don's reference in uh, Gilliland that won the truck race, his owner's Kyle Bush. Kyle Bush, right? Yep. And uh, Bush was had bad crap talked this guy for for like a solid year, and he had made yep. almost fifty starts and hadn't won yet. So he wins the race, and over the radio he says, "Kyle Bush, stay in your effing motorhome." And you know, Bush heard it right. He would have had a scanner on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, he's there. It's his truck. Yeah, right. Well, and, and and so to take the high road for Kyle, I mean, anybody that's drove a Kyle Bush Motorsports truck has won. Oh yeah, it's good yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's it, yeah. I mean, if you want to compare it to something over on our side, it's like anybody that climbs inside Randy Myers' uh, uh, alcohol car that Randy Myers tuning. They're gonna you're gonna win a Wally. I want to I want to throw a reverse grenade back at you guys here. I'm gonna be though. I'm asking a question right now. I like it. So so <laughs> I like when it. I left when I left that race, I was thinking about a lot of different stuff and how some of the concepts could apply to drag racing. And and I had the one that stuck in my head the most that I kept thinking about was. What if you transformed, you transformed um, top alcohol dragster into their truck series? Because when you look at that truck series, it is all outside of a couple people, sixteen to twenty year old kids. Well, I keep I've I've referenced that on the show a bunch. Like I don't understand why you don't. In order to drive top fuel, you don't have to race alcohol for a minimum of however many races or something. Like it's the AAA. Everybody says, oh, it's the AAA baseball of of drag racing or whatever. It's the stepping stone. I feel like not only for being a driver, but also like as a spectator, like it'll, it would get more people coming to these things because of, like you say, you're trying to sell the, the personalities or whatever, bring maybe the driver back into it more. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you, if you structured it the right way, you would, you would, you would take everything and basically standardize it like those guys. I mean, they got that Ilmore motor and, and everything is fairly well locked down in those trucks. So you'd standardize it like that. You would set it up in a way that like, I want to see Ron Caps own one of those teams. Like, I want that same structure. Like, I want to see our premier racers own a development team that they can bring people along through, that they can train people through. I think it would it would add a brand new dimension. Now, the only the downside to that is is uh, most ninety eight percent of our drivers are paying for their rides. Exactly, which is why this is a, a concept and not reality. But <laughs> right. but like, if you if you took it if you took it to its natural end. It could happen if you structured it the right way, you know. No, I, I think it'd be yeah. awesome. Yeah, it'd be cool. Uh, yeah. There, there's a there's Brian a Lewis for president again. See, <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> for <laughs> yeah. Listen, hey, not we, a good idea for anybody. <laughs> we talk about the business side, which a hey, great segue into my next question. You had a good memory there, B. We talk about controlling costs and making things more affordable. Back in line. So you spent the weekend in Martinsville. I'm sure if yep. you went to any of the press conferences, you heard about the 2021 program and going to an electric car and doing the, you know, the composite bodies and looking at different spec engines. So all of these things that they're doing on their side, uh, heck, the charter system that they get collect TV money out of, so forth and so on. So there's a lot of things on that side of the house that you look at from a business standpoint, a marketing standpoint that we go, man, if we could just get like a tenth percent of that and bring it over here and start implementing it. So let's throw it over here on our side. You're you get to you get to make a decision, something that we're gonna that's gonna just strike a lot of reduction in cost to race teams to the NHRA from the top down. All the way, I mean, all the way down to the sportsman guys. It's gonna help. What is it? Well, you know, from if I don't think you can wave a wand and get everybody in one swipe. I, I don't think I don't think anything that helps a top fuel team necessarily is going to help a stock eliminator team. Um, actually, no, that's not true. There is one thing you could do that would help those guys and make it cheaper, which would just be having them run less races. That's the only thing you could do across the board that would make things cheaper for everybody is to reduce the number of races. Now, would you then reduce the number of races those people attended? Probably not. 
they would find the money to race elsewhere. If, if Don O'Neill, if I told you, hey, listen, man, next year you only got to run nine events total to contend for a world championship and top sportsman, do you go, oh, yes, not, much more weekends to go gardening? Or do you go, oh, shit, I get to go find some new stuff to do with my race car? I mean, to me, like the major cost reduction you know, press points that people are bringing up these days are, um, you know, especially in the fuel categories, trying to reduce parts attrition, trying to reduce, uh, or trying to increase the, the wear life of certain parts and pieces, you know, trying to get the more cycle duty or whatever out of some of this stuff. And that's all great, but it's all incremental. You know, that's, that's really, that's really kind of the small money. And, you know, the big money comes in, the big money comes in, um, shipping a crew left, right, and center, moving, moving trucks back and forth across the country. And you, you can't physically bring places closer together. You know, you can't <laughs> control the price of diesel fuel. You mean it's so a, going, going from like, say, Charlotte to wherever and then back to Charlotte, you know, it's probably not the best idea <laughs> it, within three weeks. Or, I forget what that, what was the one that was like so bad this year? I was just like, oh my goodness. Like, yeah, no, it's, it's logistically and, and so like when you look at the schedule, and again, I'm not defending anybody and, and I'm not giving excuses. I, I think when you look at the schedule, you're going to see a lot of stuff built around, you're going to see a, a lot of stuff built around different sports league seasons. Mm-hmm. So like our network races, it's not, it's not a mistake that our network races fall, you know, before the NFL starts. <laughs> you know, that's no right. big. Well, that's, that's so like big. even like I, I brought up, um, I forget what year it was, uh, but even they scheduled, uh, Charlotte 2. On opening weekend of the Panthers, it's two years ago uh, or whatever, yep. the yep. same weekend as like Carolina was at home. Th- there was nobody there. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Well, you notice how many the people were there idea. this year when they were playing in England? Yes, basically the same number. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and that's a race that's super weak, and they cured that problem in Vegas when they made the spring one four wide because the fall race always crushes. Like this race this weekend always just destroys as far as the crowd. It's always badass. Right, but it's like SEMA and everything. Yeah. yeah, no, it's perfect. And I'm actually really surprised NASCAR hasn't tried to take this weekend from us in Vegas. I'm actually shocked. Like I have the SEMA show, I mean it's 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 brilliant for us and I hope they never try to do it because it's it's really good for us. But you know, t- t- I guess the answer to your question to me is you have to take each case individually and I think th- there's there's reducing the cost of things and then there is maintaining the cost of things. And I think at this point, I think the reality is you're more trying to contain and maintain the cost of things than you are trying to make it cheaper because, you know, Tony and I agree on a lot of stuff. We disagree on a lot of stuff. I do not agree with the philosophy that these cars need to go 340 miles an hour to be entertaining. I don't think, I don't think so. I think if you talk to Lee Beard, he will tell you that they do. And, He's not, he's not wrong in his mind and I'm not, and I am in his mind and that's fine. We yeah. can have the debate, but the difference is generational. The difference is Lee comes from a generation where no one had ever seen a car go 300 before or seen a car go to 80 before or 260 or 250 before. So this was all part of the process. We all have seen that. All of us here, most of the people have seen that. So we've seen cars go 339, 85 before. We've seen a car basically go 340 before. And if you listen to some of the crew chiefs, we have seen them go 340 to the guys that have legged them long and everything else. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so what does that mean? It means that you need to maintain really good tight racing. racing. You need to maintain, you know, some semblance of a show that keeps itself moving. But instead of focusing every ounce of our, um, focus, every ounce of our energy on pure speed, it needs to go back to the people sitting in the race cars. Like, who who didn't want to be Joe Amato or Kenny Bernstein when they were a kid? I'm I wanted to be sure Joe Amato. Me and Loans drink the same water. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> I'm it, pretty sure. And see, and Cam, if you were about, which you're just not, if you were just about ten years older, then you would remember. I, you'd you would have grown up in the IHRA days of that when you didn't. You know, Milliken. Even Bruce Litton, those were the, well, and Lagana, Lagana did for a little while. Those three, Louis Allison, J- yeah. uh, Ostrak Ostrand, or Scotty Cannon was over there. Like, yes, they didn't have to go three hundred. They had no. great. We had great shows, and the stands were packed. Those were packed events. They were family. Yes, I absolutely. say it all the time. Look at Supercross. 
Yes. Well, they promote the pers- the people and the personalities, which put people in the seats, which grow their brands, which bring in more sponsors that are outside that can't necessarily afford to to spend three million dollars on whatever. Yeah, like in my mind, you know, and and Cameron, you're a perfect example of this. So, you know, I've had this discussion with a, a bunch of people that are in the the, the uh, offices with nice windows there in Glendora, and the. Wait, you said my name to someone of those? Careful doing that, man. Well, listen, I said it was a real name. I said I had a I had a you friend said, named Famron yeah. Correy that yeah. maybe a race Fudge. Fudge. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But no, so the the point of this is NASCAR and IndyCar have gone off in their direction, and they're so far off in that direction. We're watching what it's a very painful process for the, either of those. Like James Hinchcliffe just lost his ride today. The most popular driver yes. in IndyCar is out of a ride and, and may not get one, right? So look at us. We're not in that position yet, but we could be. We could get there if we wanted to. But what what I've said to people is, like, we are standing at this great moment in our sports history where we get to decide to be the last truly aspirational professional motorsport in America. Like we get to be the last one of these sports that a guy who, whose parents don't have a billion dollars, who didn't start driving a go-kart when he was in the womb, who didn't, you know, get transported to Europe to, you know, run around and go-karts and do all this other stuff. We get to be that sport that somebody that can bootstrap themselves up in this country, make a couple of bucks, be savvy enough to sell themselves and do on a professional level like what's what's the problem with embracing that? Like what's the problem with embracing not being the shame crowd, but in the beer drinking crowd? Like what is the what's the shame in that? I don't think there's any. Not a chance. There's not one ounce of shame in it. Not preaching to the choir. Buddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. You probably you know you, you're talking like you've been listening since day one. I, I mean, it's <laughs> it's just what we what we believe in because. It is so our you know, and God, we can't go too far off, but my biggest thing with that 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 complements what you're saying is is that the fan in the stands is gonna have most of for the most time is gonna have a hard time relating to a professional race car driver in their life or what they're doing unless they're a professional race car driver who is working a 40 hour a week job running a company or whatever the case is and then they're you know and they're grinding it out or a teacher you know so that's that's the big thing and you know you talk about yeah i mean god do we want to start the conversation about what we're going to do when john force retires i mean there's a lot of drivers that are still out there to pick up that torch for you know the next decade well here's the thing and 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 take this for what it's worth and and don't take it for don't take it for for sounding negative because maybe it will, but I don't want it to sound negative. Like, uh, I'm I'm waiting for that moment with a smile on my face because I I honestly feel that we're not you know there, there's a lot of 65 year old guys that think the whole thing's going in the tank when John Forrest retires. Well, yes. and, not only John, but you know when Connie, uh, Don Schumacher, John Forrest, they're all. Older gentlemen, they all can decide to retire like Joe Amato did and Kenny Bernstein. What's, what's absolutely and they, they, eventually they will. You know, yeah. it's, it's human nature whether they whether they decide to retire <laughs> or, or nature retires them. It's going to happen exactly. one way or the other. So, listen, drag racing has survived world wars. It has survived uh, gas crises. It has survived depressions. It has survived recessions. It has survived a lot worse shit than John Forrest retiring. So allow me to break the news to anybody listening that when John Forrest decides to retire, it will not stop drag racing, guys. So un- you can take your kids out of the basement. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, don't, you don't have to be in the bomb shelter. No, uh, but no. It, it, listen, it's going to be a change. It's going to be a weird. It's going to be a weird thing. I hope it is in a way like in my dream scenario. It's John, you know, whether it's this year or next year, winning a championship. And then handpicking his successor to put in his car, I think that would be just a spectacular way for his, you know, his competition movie to end. He'd be a great owner. He'd be a great ambassador still. Um, but who knows? Who knows what happens? And and that's what makes it interesting. But I, I just, I just don't think it's going to be this cataclysmic thing where the sun's not going to rise the next day. Not a chance. Not a chance. All right. So let's let's talk about some good stuff. Yeah. 
Give give us give us Let's some. Let's talk about me retiring. <laughs> yeah, you just got started, yeah. my friend. I, you never know; I might be retiring in uh, two races from now. No, you just have to kick your wife out of your super comp car. You still got yeah. a car to drive. Yeah, uh, Brian, right. that what? ain't gonna happen. I have a better chance of getting a top fuel ride next year than I do driving my own super comp car next year. <laughs> well, if you and as long as you want to sleep in your own bed, you you'll. Figure away. She just, yeah, she just looks up at me. She's like, "Huh? What? <laughs> yeah, you're out. Yeah. yeah, enjoy that you're fire done. suit. You're done. You're washed out." Uh, yeah. Brian, let's talk about some do's and some don'ts from the social media side because you have bang shift. You're out there on social media. You're in the booth. You you get input about drivers and and storylines and so forth. What are some do's and don'ts that catch Brian Lone's attention? Um, you know, I don't know. I, I guess, I guess, you know, on a, on a greater level, I think the dues recently, especially among the pro team, um, John force racing has been killing it in their, on their social this season. They've been doing a lot of outside the box stuff, some really funny interview stuff with all the crew and all the, the drivers. I think they've been really kind of pushing the envelope in terms of what we expect out of our team's social media, which has been really great. Um, you know, I think any racer obviously needs to be using social media, especially if you're trying to attract a sponsor or work with a sponsor or promote a sponsor. But I don't know. I, I think people, I see people and it just makes me shake my head a lot of times where, you know, it's easy to lose respect for somebody when you see just a bunch of weird stuff get posted. Like everybody has the right and the entitlement to say whatever they want and share whatever views they want and anything like that. You can do whatever you need to do, but understand that the first time you open your mouth and you pick a definitive side on some sort of really controversial subject, 50% of people think you're an asshole Mm -hmm. that you're writing that check. You're writing that check. The moment you say that you're writing that check. So, um, that would be my biggest don't, I guess, you know, and everyone's like, I think a lot of people say, Whoa, then, then, uh, you know, then you got no balls and you're not saying anything. No, I'm not saying anything to a bunch of people. I probably don't even know. Yeah. I'm not saying anything to them. I'm saying it to the people that I have in my, you know, personal friendship. Yeah, you don't need to. You don't need to express your political views and your and your religious beliefs on, you know, to some dude that, you know, you've never met on that's sitting in a couch, you know, down by the river. Right. You know, listen. You're you're a driver. You have fans, Cameron. You're like you have you have people that are pulling for you week in and week out. Right. What does it benefit you at all? To get on your any anybody, and you, you've never done this because you got a brain in your head. But what what would it benefit <laughs> you at all? What would it benefit you at all to go on there and just run your mouth about a bunch of weird stuff? Yeah, no, I it doesn't. It does nothing but hurt you. But you know, my my number one favorite one, and and I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this, but um, there's this thing called the Drag Illustrated Thirty Under Thirty, sure. which I I think is an awesome program that West Buck does, and you know Nate over there, like they all do a phenomenal job with what they're doing. But it kills me the fact that I mean they've done some changes or whatever to make it a little less like oh vote for me or whatever. But when the, the nominations come out, all these people are soliciting for their votes or whatever, which it really shouldn't be like that. It should be more. A like, hey, I nominated this person because I think they're a great kid. Blah blah blah. And there should be a panel that decides who's on. Yeah. Yes. And instead of a popularity contest, but what cracks me up is these people. They get on their one minute. They're oh, you know, vote for me, vote for me. Blah blah blah. I've I've won seventeen hundred bracket Saturday night bracket races. I'm I'm the shit. And then Monday they don't get the announcement or whatever. Like they don't get the the job or they don't get on the list. And it's like, oh, fuck that. Like, this is a bunch of bullshit. Like, fuck you, fuck that. And it's like, sorry, man. Like, you're never going to get on it if you go on the next day and start doing that. So you're pissing in the wind. Well, you know what? The other thing is, too, like, if if your motivation to do anything is getting recognized, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons, right? So if, for example, uh, I will – I'll. Come right out and say it. Our rookie of the year for NHRA last year hasn't made a lap in a race car in 2019. Like, what? And I'm not saying he didn't lobby for himself. I'm not saying he did that. And and uh, he's a good dude. He's the Bill is a nice man. He's never done anything cross to me. But he's the rookie of the year in 2018, 
and he has not made a single run this year. And there'll be people on that 30 for 30 list that get on there and you get the shot of drugs in your arm. You're like, yeah, I got it. I'm on the list, man. Yes. It's like, oh, yeah, it feels good. You know, it feels good. <laughs> and then and then it's over. And then, then what are you chasing? Then you're chasing the next recognition or are you chasing to develop your career? Or are you chasing to whatever? You know, the people, the people that I love and respect the most are the ones that like, I really love and respect the guy most that never, not that he doesn't want to be on the list, but that he doesn't care if he is or he isn't because it doesn't define who he is. Yeah, I, I, when I, I was on the first list and I had no idea. I didn't even know that I could even be on it because I had turned 31 or whatever, 30, I forget whatever year it was. I, dude, I had no idea. And they're like, hey, and they called me, which, which made me feel really good because I was like, oh, that's yeah. cool. Like, I didn't nominate myself. I didn't, whatever, somebody else did. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, because somebody thought enough of what you're doing. Right. That you're on the list. And, and, and doubling down on that, it's not because you ran a, you know, a self uh, promotional <laughs> campaign to, you know, like a write in deal for a free t shirt or something. Yeah. So, and, and to go back to your original point. I think the list is a great thing because it does the one thing that um, that I think is most important. And highlights the fact that this is a youthful sport. As much as we as much as we get hung up looking at a very small percentage of the competitors at its very peak, this is a very youthful sport. Yeah, there's there's a lot of kids coming in. I just I hope that there's enough sponsor dollars and and other things with what's happening with the sport that yep. we can all showcase our talents, or whether that be in a drag radio car or a top fuel car, or whatever. Like. Hopefully that these kids can continue to do what they love to do, and that's race. Agree. So that so piggybacking that, Brian, what is it that catches? What's the one thing right now? Like if you had, let's say one thing, but let's say characteristically speaking, what are a couple of the things that lately have been catching your eye? that sportsman racers let's not talk about the pro side because i know you still i know you still hang out in the sportsman world you still follow Absolutely. people yeah. what, what is it that's been catching your eye uh regardless of nhra or you know drag radio or whatever the case may be hot rod drag what has been catching your eye uh as far as attention getters of what people are doing on social media wise so here's the thing drag week gets an insane amount of social media reach. It gets an insane amount of attention for, for what the event is. Like you would, you would think that the amount of people and chatter and follow on drag week that a lot of the regular competitors get, you'd think that every racetrack we went to would have 50,000 people at it. Well, it doesn't, you're there on a Tuesday, you got like 26, 2700 people, but the live feed, the live feed of the thing is big. And then the social reach of all that stuff just goes crazy. And it's funny as hell to, be flipping through Facebook when me and David are driving down the road to the next stop and just seeing post after post after post. So what is it about that event? That event connects with people in a very real way because it isn't sponsor driven. There's You can't win a dime at that race. That's why people love it because they know everybody there is there just to see if they can finish it. Like it is, it's like Bonneville. You cannot win a dollar at Bonneville. You can't win anything. At Bonneville, you can win a hat. Drag week, you can win a jacket. And a guitar. That's, that's what you win if you win the thing. And so why that connects with people is the same way I think, I think sports and racers can do a, a great job of their own social media because if great, hey, if you win a 50 grand or tell the world, cause that's badass. You won $50,000. Like that's incredible. I think the one miss that I see a lot of social media posts from sports and racers have is they all sound the same and they're all pretty robotic. Like had a great weekend, went down to six cars. Thank you too. Blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, I'm not reading it. And nobody else is either. So why do people love Drag Week? Because there's human suffering involved, because there's creativity involved. There's this survival element of it. There is this man against the world element of it. So I'd rather read a post about how you had to lay in the dirt for six hours and swap the transmission, and you went out in the second round, than I would read a post about how XYZ oil company is the best because they are for no particular. You're not telling me why you're just telling me that they're the best because they gave you free shit. Cause next week, the ne- the other oil company, you're going to jump. They're going to be the then, best. Yeah. They're the best. Yeah. Yeah. And this is they not- give you a free case of oil and you have the t- sticker, the size of Baltimore on the side of your trailer. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and there are races that cultivate great relationships with companies and they, and they have to promote them in certain ways. And I get that. But when it's every week and it's the same thing every week, you're, that's not what social media is about. It's like, hey, here's an idea. 
make a little video, post a picture of you said laying in the dirt with your X brand T-shirt on, all ratty and holy and whatever. Hundred percent. Way better. That's still product placement or still whatever. Like whatever it is, it's just a, Listen, in a different way. What are the what are the photos that you, we love to look at the most in the old archive photos? I the photo I, Ron Leong in an old Iskandarian T-shirt with grease all over him. Mm-hmm. It's the same friggin' thing today. If you're a guy who goes racing and you have to work on your race car, I want to see you looking like you just worked on the race car, not that not looking like you just you know you had my you know kiss the cook frickin' apron on because you just cooked the t-bone for the team. Like again, <laughs> great. I'm glad the cookout's good, <laughs> but like, show me some soul. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. No, kiss it's the, it's the, the hu- it's the human part of it. Yeah, I mean, God, it really is. It's the human part of it. All right. Well, hey, the one thing about it, you know, I did just doing some, you know, trolling on on the loans on social media. Uh, Dude, you're a big deal on Instagram. You're a really big deal on Instagram. I pick my spots on Instagram, but I like I I go on streaks with Instagram. And yeah, I I have a good I have like 30,000 followers on Instagram. Yeah, you do. And. Not one of my posts on Instagram. Racers and renters. Very rarely do I ever post anything about myself. I I pick a cool historical photo from racing or something interesting and or old engine or something and write about it. Just because Instagram is the platform that kids are most on. So I'm hoping that you know, and and most of the people that read those that I find commenting on them are young kids that like. I had no idea this person existed. I had no idea this thing happened or I had no idea. So I think it's like super cool to be able to like throw the lowl branch out. Um, so wait, you're using kids. Instagram the way that it was intended to be when it first came out? Well, I thought it was porn, but <laughs> you can't, my first account was shut off. So I had to change my whole philosophy and my whole strategy went down the tubes, but uh, <laughs> I, just, I went to the car stuff. Uh, <laughs> You know what's cool is when 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 I'm walking <laughs> wrong, through the pits. <laughs> yeah, when I'm walking through the pits, and this is this is true at every race this year. Walking through the pits, if there's a father and son, if one of them recognizes me, the kid will say, "I I follow you on Instagram," and the father will say, "I watch the TV show." And win win. Yeah, and it, well, and it also speaks to the evolution of you know evolution of all these things and and how. You know, how our lives are changing as far as how people watch stuff and everything else. So, um, but yeah, it's cool. I, I appreciate you plugging the Instagram page. It's just my name. If you go to Instagram, just go to Brian Loans. That's me. You'll see a bunch of pictures of monster trucks and things on fire and yeah. weird yeah. engines. So uh, between your bang shift, uh, your bang shift day, back in the day, uh, articles that you write. And if our listeners, if you, if you don't know or haven't visited bang shift, please go you'll there's another education piece because uh, mr loans uh, is definitely a very good effective writer i enjoy 18, reading thousand stories i've written for bang shift since 2008 18,000 still write six to eight a day every day seven days a week you'll find them on there yeah, they are. They're great stories so i hope i hope our listeners will go give you a, a follow or a like because uh, we enjoy it tell me about your twitter side though uh, from from your social media side, yeah, and again, it's like I've been on like a I, I you know I spend a lot of time just flip rolling through Twitter, and I don't know, I'm just I just get probably overly selective about who I follow, and and um, you know I I I take I in my mind I call it like the Jim Nance approach because you know Jim Nance is one of my favorite announcers, him and Al Michaels and some of the other guys, but like what political party is Jim Nance affiliated with? I have no idea. Right. Uh, what does Jim Nance think about abortion? Who knows? You know what? I don't give a shit. I like the way the guy calls a football game and a golf match. So, like, I take the Jim Nance approach on my social media. Uh, so, you know, I, I, you know, I just kind of post funny things or whatever, things that catch my eye, or I just try not to run people over. I don't know. I probably overthink the social media thing, but I just don't want to be annoying or obnoxious. I had to take our own advice on that Tuesday then what night was the Nationals game oh. and, uh, I I typed out just and then I laid it down on the counter and I was like add delete 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 delete, delete. Well, see that's the therapy that's the move though that's the right move the type out 
and delete is the right move because you got it out. Uh, and it's gone. Select all. Delete. Yeah. <laughs> Control Z. I had to Control block Z. a guy. I had to block a guy. I believe it was a guy today on Twitter. The guy went crazy on my Twitter feed. About? Oh, man. All kinds of, like, I'm talking weird stuff. Like, oh. all kinds of weird sex stuff. He was posting all kinds of crazy things. Ah, I, I mean, didn't see that. Well, it's a sexy beast. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it wasn't about how sexy I was. Oh. It was, I was... I was claimed to have done some very horrible things that oh. I did not have any part in doing. So. Was it from your initial Instagram account, maybe? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Might have been an early fan. Yeah, early fan. Well, Brian, it is late, and we're going to wrap this show up. And so we have two things as uh, we send you off. You get to send one Christmas card to one person in motorsports. Who is it? Ooh. One Christmas card to one person in motorsports that's still alive. No, it can be dead. You, you get oh, to pick. Dead too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just pick. Wally Parks, one. no question. Never met him. Me neither. So I would send Wally Parks a card. Okay. Like that's 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 first time he's been brought up. All right. Our our favorite one. You get to send one WTF card to one person in motorsports. <laughs> Who is it? <laughs> Wow, one WTF card to one person in motorsports. Milliken, we got it last week. Yeah, Milliken gave it to us last week because it took 48 episodes before we had him on. (laughs) (laughs) That was Uh, was his first time he turned. I would send it it to the Knapp family for closing English Town. Ooh, very nice. Very nice. Absolutely. All right. We broke that story. Better and better. We like, broke as, that story on Bankshift, by the way, and it blew it. It melted our website down to like non. It, it wrecked our website for like two and a half days. Really? Oh, it tipped it over like a mofo. Yeah. Well, hey, and now I don't know. So, did you see where Mansfield Speedway is up for sale? Oh my God, in Ohio. Yep. Well, that was the place where Mike Zarula was going to build the drag strip, hey, the yeah. magical drag strip. Yep. Lenore- Listen, we could we could have this show for three days straight because I could tell you some things. But uh, I remember announcing I was one of the announcers at the very last World Nationals at Norwalk, the very when the last year before they switched to NHRA, and it was like it was so weird because most of the IHRA staff were former Norwalk employees that Bill Bader had hired over the years and this and that. So like there was this insane tension in the tower and people were yelling at each other and all this stuff. And then out of nowhere. They make this announcement that Mike Zarula is going to build a drag strip in Mansfield, Ohio, and it's going to be ready the next year, and they're going to have the World Nationals in Mansfield, Ohio. And they moved like three buckets of dirt over the course of the year. And it, I mean, they, they didn't even build a kiddie pool at that place. They didn't even get that far along. <laughs> no, they didn't. But yes, no, that is, uh, that, yeah, yeah, I got, I saw that this afternoon that it's, uh, it's up for sale. And, uh, sounds like all the broken promises and shattered dreams that there's going to be more. There what was a drag city. Oh and, Jesus! And, and then there was going to be one in Bakersfield. I heard. What the hell was that guy's name? Andy something or other. The drag city guys. That was a whole nother. Yeah. Mopar even got sucked into that one for a while there. Yeah, I think they spent six bucks on that sign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is a lot of racetracks that are either up for sale or up for lease right now, especially in the Midwest. Yeah, well, the seller quarter, they're giving the track away, right? The seller quarter seven that race that the winner of the race could win the track. Yeah, that's a, I think it's a great business ploy is what I think that is. I think that's oh, a, you should go enter that. I think it's an awesome way. They hired a great, they did hire a reputable marketing company here in the area and they, they're getting a ton of publicity about it, right? What better way for you to market something that's for sale? Oh, absolutely. No, it's a brilliant idea. Yeah, for sure. And then we just had, you know, Crossville, Crossville Dragway just went um, lease up this week. Uh, Wendy Hollow Dragway just went up lease up this week. Well, Don, on the bright side, if this whole podcast thing doesn't work out, um, you could buy a drag strip. Me and Luke Bogacki about 10 years ago in Huntsville, Alabama, while I was stationed there, had a sh- conversation one night in the dirt floor of his shop it, it, right there in good hunts vegas and he, he he and i talked about it and i said you know what i think i want to run a racetrack like i want an ex-wife 
Okay, so you want to talk and about? I almost, listen, I almost I got offered and almost took the job of running Memphis before it went out of business. I got I got stories for days. I want to keep you guys all night, but that yeah, that was a whole thing that happened. I got offered the job, got real estate books, was like basically ready to sign the paperwork, and then I said, "Nah." And this was uh, this was years ago. It was when I was still. You know, before I was became full time in the motorsports industry, I was like worked as um, running truck fleets and running operations for some big companies, and um, I almost took it, and I didn't. And then six months later, Dover Motorsports closed the racetrack, so I would have moved to Memphis, had a job six months, lost it. Would have had my my oldest son would have been less than a year old. It would have been a complete disaster. It's the greatest non decision ever in my life because if i had made that one i never would be doing any of this stuff with this conversation with you guys tonight would have never happened i say you'd probably be working at FedEx. conversation just would have sounded just like that what's that i said i could have had a conversation or a a, a situation that sounded just like that if i yep. went left instead of right yep <laughs> Ah, well, Brian, thank you very much for taking time out. I, I, you're, you're a great ambassador for our sport. Sportsman racers love you. Uh, cause yes. y- thank y- God for Brian Lowe. Th- that's so <laughs> we, we appreciate it. Uh, enjoy a few hours of sleep before you get on that plane tomorrow. And we'll all be watching you this weekend from Vegas. You bet, man. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank take you. care, Brian. See ya. Cam, what better way for us to close out as we, head into the 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 short stretch if you will of us finishing out a year than to have uh brian loans on as you mentioned you were on his podcast earlier in the year and uh he is he's a he's a phenomenal person as far as history and heck we didn't even get to talk to him about brett kepner and and the research he's doing on drag strips and so forth so um oh yeah no he he's a he's a cool dude and and what's really cool about him coming on the show is you get a different perspective of him he's just a real dude I mean, that's, I mean, he, he says shit. He said, I mean, he, he's not all PC. Like he has to be on the Fox show, which is cool. Like he's just a normal dude. So, you know, kudos to him for, uh, for being his own person. Oh, for sure. And it was, it's great to, to know that you've got a name and a face and, and an ear if need be, uh, when you see Brian or you talk to him and, and you can, if you're listeners out there, he is, he's diverse in motorsports and he, like you said, he likes to talk about things that have tires. So, uh, all of that works out well. Well, well, Cam, dude, wrap us up and, uh, go have fun in Vegas. Enjoy. And I will see you next week. I will be off to lost wages, but, uh, Thank you to uh, Voice America for uh, helping us produce the show. Brian and JT, Don, yeah, you, I guess, I'll thank you too. Um, Streetway Marketing and Media and uh, Stupid Fast Racing uh, for all your racers and rental cars needs and uh, even Stupid Fast Racing Apparel as well. Um, they got some really cool stuff out there. And uh, Performance Data Systems, PDS, Todd Payton over there, he's uh, killing the uh, data logging game these days. So doing really well. So. Um, thank you to uh, him for for promoting us as well. Um, he's even got racers and rental cars on his uh, track shirts. So we appreciate that. And uh, we'll see you next week. See ya. Later. Let's put it up for the weekend warriors. Tip it back for the ones who came before us. Give it all you got. Don't stop. It's not work hard. It's work hard. And I go.